Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. My name is David. I'm here along with my friend Chris. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Pretty good. Pretty good. Before we get started, just want to let everybody know that we do now have a Twitter account. It is uh, Our Twitter handle is Digital Killed on Twitter, Facebook, Digital Killed the Radio Star podcast, and we're also on Instagram, Digital Killed the Radio Star. If you get a chance, follow us um, on those. We're going to try to be as active as we can uh, with those, and um, we hope that, um, that you will at least follow us on one of those. And Chris and I were discussing our, I guess our hashtag, one of our hashtags may be buy music. Uh, so um, if you follow us on there and send us a message, end it with hashtag buy music and let's see if that's something we can't get going. Um, today is going to be a little bit different than our past podcast. It's going to be r- around essentially two artists, Ryan Adams and Jay Farrar of Sunvolt. Uh, last Friday, both Sunvolt and Ryan Adams released new albums and Chris and I are both of the, uh, in the agreement that it's some of their more consistent work than they've put out in recent years. So what we're going to do, first we're going to review Ryan Adams' new album, Prisoner, and then we're going to give a, uh, just talk about Ryan Adams' career. And we're going to try to uh, keep it as succinct as possible because we could do four or five hours just on what he's probably put out in the last ten years, much less his career. So uh, Chris, I'm going to throw it to you. You've got the new album, Prisoner. What are your thoughts? Man, I think it's it's pro it's my it's one of my favorite albums he's done. I mean, I, I'm a little bit hesitant to say that because I think you really need to spend some time with an album, like probably at least three or four months, where we can say how they measure up to the others. But I think this is some of his most consistent work. I mean, and that and that excludes say 1989 that he did, which was the you know where he covered all of Taylor Swift's 1989. Great, great album. If you don't have it, check it out. But anyway, they're not his songs. He didn't write them. So as far as his own work, yeah, I think it's some of the best stuff he's done in a while. I think one of the things about it, compared to some of his other albums, there's nothing on there that I'm. if I have the album in, I'm not going to skip anything on it. And you can't say that for all, hardly for most of his albums. No, I think his albums, a lot of them, especially, I don't know, past gold, have been kind of inconsistent. There have been a few that have come in that I don't that I think are very solid, but a lot of them have had some some weaker moments, for sure. And if you're not familiar with Ryan, he uh, recently got a divorce from the actress Mandy Moore, and by the judging of this album, he's not happy about it. Well, you know, I told you, honey, when I when I listened to it, I immediately started thinking, man, this is this is his Springsteen Tunnel of Love. And it's funny, I told you, I started looking after I got those starts, those thoughts, I started looking at reviews, and I, and I found that I wasn't the only one that felt that way. And as anybody that is a Springsteen fan would know, Tunnel of Love is a flat-out breakup record. It's heartbreaking at times. It's sad. It's just a man dealing with his emotions of, of you know, ending a long relationship. And Prisoner, it's the same thing. Right, and the album starts off with... with- Probably the heaviest tune on there, as far as the uh, uh, guitars, is uh, "Do You Still Love Me." And he's he's been all over the place this past week. He's done Fallon, he's done the Late Late Show, and this is the song that he's chosen to play on those um, shows. It's also the first, I believe, it was the first song released, and I really like the song. And uh, if you saw him on the, did you see him on the on the Fallon? I didn't. 
All right, are you familiar with Neil Young when he played with Crazy Horse in the 70s and yeah. 80s, the size uh-huh. of the amps? Yeah. All right, he's basically recreated that, and he's playing these songs with a flying V, uh, which is which is pretty cool. It's very rock and roll. Right. <laughs> it doesn't really because, fit his sound. Anyway, because anybody that knows Ryan Adams, he loves his heavy metal. Oh, he's a, he's a huge metal fan. That's he, one of the things I love about the guy. He, he, he's, he's, you don't see him. You rarely see him without a metal T-shirt on. Right. And one of my favorite performances of his on David Letterman, he's, by the way, one of Letterman's favorite uh, performers, uh, I believe he had an Iron Maiden shirt on. Oh, I've, I've seen Iron Maiden, Slayer. I, I've seen like hard, big time death metal bands. He's wearing their t-shirts. Well, the the the, uh, the track "Do You Still Love Me" stands out to me. One that I think is just absolutely heartbreaking to listen to. If you listen to the words, is "Shiver and Shake." Uh, I think it's song number five, and I let my wife listen to it the other day, and uh, she agreed. I mean, it's just he's he's not happy about this divorce, and uh, he was recently on Mark Maron's podcast, and. I think he said he had to get out of L.A. to record the album because there's just so many bad, um, bad memories going on in L.A. with the divorce, and it, it's clear, you know, some of the songs are "Haunted House," "Breakdown," "Tightrope." Um, to be it, without you. To be without you is a great song. I know it's one of my. It's definitely one of my favorites. Standout track. What, what are What are some of your favorite songs off? The, of well, it? The, we just mentioned "To Be Without You." Do you still love me? I think. Um, Really, those first the first four. Do you still love me, Prisoner? Doomsday, Haunted House. I think is great. Right, it's a great song. Doomsday is a really good song. I believe it was one of the singles that they released yeah. for it. And like I said, it, you know, I'm not going to put it in my top five of his right now. I I think in a couple of months it could possibly edge out my number five selection that I have, but for the simple fact that it's a lot more consistent than his recent albums have been. Yeah, it's very solid. No, no, I will say, this. that being said, like I said, 1989 was phenomenal, but it wasn't his, What they were not his songs, he didn't write them. Um, which, by the way, it if you haven't ever heard that, it sounds like a goof that he would cover Taylor Swift, the whole album, but it's not. He really, really liked the album, and supposedly wanted to make a, he wanted it to sound like Springsteen's Nebraska. So, it's, it's cool, but we're not talking about that. But anyway, that album was pretty good, but, the other one, the self-titled, was also good. But this one, like you said, what separates it from the self-titled is the consistency. Because the, the self-titled had, you know, Kim was on there. It's a great song. Just comes to mind right right off. Um, struggling with the names of the songs on it. Give me something good. That's the one I was thinking of. Stay with of. me. Give me something good is what I was thinking of. And I, was at, I read an article just the other day, though, talking about this, where they're talking about the fact that this being a breakup album but they said really if you think about it they said kind of his last three has been a trilogy of breakout uh, break of breakup albums 1989 self-titled and then this one and you know I, I can hear that especially if you listen to 1989 it's not this now I've never heard Taylor Swift's whole album but I've heard some of those singles and they're poppy and upbeat it's a really sad bastard right and you know in the album that he put out when he came back from his hiatus, Ashes and Fire, was basically, is more or less... It's a love acu- record. Yeah, an acoustic album. So he, he things have definitely changed in his life. Um, they have given him a lot of good material. Um, it's a good album. If you don't have it, I, I suggest uh, giving it a listen. And if you do like it, go buy it. That's one of the things we're going to preach on this podcast. If you like it, go buy it. Um, it really... We don't want... 
we don't want people uh, like him deciding not to put albums out because people aren't buying them, and that's happening more and more. Yeah, and they don't really. We I mean we we've, we've talked about this, and this will be really, We'll do this on another podcast. So we talk about digital, you know, versus CD and, and vinyl, and the streaming services. They're not really getting paid off of that. Your right. all your favorite artists really aren't. Yeah, I mean it's 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 pennies, fractions of pennies. So I think it's safe to say thumbs up from both of us. Oh, Chris absolutely. Here. I mean, I, if I'm doing the the Rolling Stone review. You know, I think I give this four, four and a half. I'd say probably four and a half for me. The only crit- the only criticism I have of it, I wish there were a few more songs with electric guitars on it. You know, I know you told me that it was very acoustic for you, but uh, I don't know. It just I, I didn't have a problem with it. I didn't notice any of that. I, I didn't. But I know a lot of times you kind of steer towards the rock and stuff, and I think as we talk about Ferrars, you know, career here a little bit I think you're probably going to pick some of his albums that are a little bit more rocking that's just kind of right. a lot of the times what you're drawn to right. by these guys right whereas I thought this album was great um, you'll find some other thoughts on his albums I kind of a lot of times I've steered, I've steered towards the little more mellow acoustic mellow acoustic stuff but, I th- but what, what do you think I said, I said about four and a half stars what, what's yours I'm trying not to, to I have a habit of when an album comes out I like thinking it's better than it really is initially yeah. I'm going to say with that in mind I'm going to give it th- three and a half um, I've listened to it all the way through about five times there are several songs that I've listened to many more times than that but I considered having it in my favorite five but it's only been out a little over a week that would be well, hey, we're, our our average here is four star reviews. So right. come on, people, that's pretty good. Right. I think that's worth giving it a chance. Well, for those of you that are not familiar with Ryan Adams, and it's not Brian Adams, um, he has been around for a while. I think he's 42, 43 years old. He's from Jacksonville, North Carolina. Um, and that is something you'll pick up on if you listen to his music. That is mentioned numerous times where he's from. He started a band called Whiskey Town in the mid-90s. And Chris, I'll let you expound on this, but if you go back in our previous podcast, we talk about Uncle Tupelo essentially being the the Godfathers. The, the Godfathers of Alt Country. When they broke up, if you took away Jay Farrar and Jeff Tweedy, what they were doing, it appeared Whiskey Town was set up to be the heir apparent. Your thoughts? I would agree with that. It's um you know, it's not quite the dual vocals. I mean, it's a little bit of it because they had, in Whiskey Town, they had a female singer, Caitlin Carey, I believe is her name. That's correct. Um, Whiskey Town was definitely alt country. It's, um, I, and I would say it has it's more country than Uncle Tupelo is because Ryan Adams, when he wanted to, well, when he wants to, he can, he throws a little bit of a twangy sound in his voice. Whereas you listen to the Uncle Tupelo records, you don't really get that out of, out of Farrar and Tweety. It's more folky. A little bit of that punk edge, but that early with that Whiskey Town, it was they were bordering on country records. Well, and there's definitely some albums that if you took away a little bit of the production on it, you could say that sounds like 1950s era Hank Williams. Um, um, he has a song called "Bottom of the Glass" that was not released on an actual album; it was released on a benefit album. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. It, it has that very country twang. They initially released an album called "Faithless Street." And I think that's what got them 
the major label deal uh, for Stranger's Almanac, which would come out. And I recently, like I said, I'm going to refer numerous times to this Mark Marin podcast where he had him on for an hour and a half. And Adams does not talk highly of this time in his life. He does not. He's not exceptionally proud of this work, which is kind of odd because he released some very good albums. But internally, this band was a train wreck from management to personality issues to drugs and alcohol. And they wind up imploding. And he moves to New York and releases an album called Heartbreaker. And so that's kind of a little bit of a background as to where we're going with this. Um, Chris, is there anything about Whiskey Town before we discuss his his albums that we like? Anything else you want to add on them? Nothing really comes to mind. I just, um, you know, I've I because I'm such a fan of some of those alt country stuff. I've I've always loved his Whiskey Town material. And look, I can get if he may not really like that. At, some of that music that he did because again it, even some of that twang is probably put on he probably hates hearing that in his voice right. um, it's not what he's doing these days he's very far removed from that well, with the exception of maybe Jacksonville City Nights but it's uh, yeah I'm, I'm very fond of the Whiskey Town era well during the media cycle for his last self-titled album I, he said he's done with the country stuff he said that's over You won't hear. he said you won't hear that from me ever again Oh, okay. Well, then that probably does explain what you're saying. Where, where I said, with him not thinking too fondly of it, it's probably because of that country sound. So what we're going to do, we each have five albums. We're not going to rank them. Uh, we're just going to talk about our, our favorite albums. And um, they can be Ryan Solo, Ryan with his band The Cardinals, or uh, the aforementioned Whiskey Town. Chris, I'll, I'll throw it to you if you want to bring one up first, and we'll discuss it, and we'll just kind of go back and forth. But I, um, I really think you're going to see the di- – Chris and I both like this artist a lot, but I think you're going to see our favorite albums are not going to uh, necessarily line up. I wouldn't expect them to. <laughs> it usually goes that way with us. But, um, yeah, the first one, since we did kind of the way we got started, I'm going to go with his very first recording, Faithless Street by Whiskey Town. It is – I, I just, I love that album. I love it. My favorite song on there is If He Can't Have You. Yeah. With the uh, the violin, that could have, could have been a huge hit if it had been marketed correctly. Yeah, it's it's just, I don't know. It, it, in some ways, it has a little bit more edge, too, than the other, other Whiskey Town records. Um, obviously, it's probably not the most money was spent recording that album. Right. Um, production's nothing strong, but yeah, I love that one. Now, does that have the, is it, I get that in Stranger's Almanac confused sometimes because if you go to Spotify or you go to iTunes, there's a lot of songs that were released on the Faithless Street album, like, on, I guess it's a, it's demos that you can actually purchase that are eventually recorded on Stranger's Almanac. One that comes to mind, I believe, is 16 Days. Is that correct? Yeah. It, it 16 Days, I remember it being on... You're talking about being on both of them? Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. I'm actually kind of drawing a blank right now. It's a different version of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, so that album came out, and that um, garnered a lot of attention from critics and from fans in the alt-country genre that were aching for somebody new to pick up you know, the torch from Uncle Tupelo. And since um, you mentioned Faithless Street, 
I'll mention my favorite Whiskey Town album is Stranger's Almanac. Well, man, that's a good one, though. Houses on the Hill is probably one of my favorite songs he's ever done. That and Dancing with Women at the Bar are my two favorite songs um, on that album. And also, um, In Town, the first song, uh, the version of 16 Days um, is really good. And I came across a quote from Rolling Stone on the album that says, if there's to be a nirvana among the bands that are imprecisely dubbed alternative country, look to Whiskey Town. And I believe you brought this up in our first podcast. You referred to Uncle Tupelo as the nirvana of... And I will stand by that. Rolling Stone is incorrect. It's right. Uncle Tupelo. Well, but like, but I, it's, it's, I, I get what they're saying, though. And Whiskey Town is very important to that sound. And, and Stranger's Almanac has a few more rocking songs on it. Um, Drink Like a River. Right. And um, uh, Turn Around, Losering. Um, those what a great song title, by the way. Right. Losering. I and, love that song title. And if, if you're going to listen to it, or we hopefully buy it, buy the um, remastered edition. It has an entire album of um, live performances, demos. They actually have a live version of them doing Fleetwood Mac's Dreams. Um it's my favorite Whiskey Town album that um, that they released, and it's very, very good. Like he said, Houses on the Hill, Dancing with Women at the Bar, very, very good. Good yeah. album. What's your next Adam's uh, album? Let's go with his first solo album, Heartbreaker, which is also kind of talking about the heartbreak that was in that's been in his new album. There's a lot of that in his first in his debut album, his debut solo album. He didn't completely leave the country behind on this one. Um, little, you know, started going a little bit more towards what we know as Ryan Adams. It's kind of like that blend between Whiskey Town and what he is now. So this is sacrilege. This album is a huge thumbs down for me. Um, the, there are some songs on there. Obviously, the hit, if you want to call it the hits, "Sweet Caroline." I mean, I'm sorry, Oh My Sweet Carolina. And Come Pick Me Up. Come Pick Me Up. Now, in Bartering Lines, these songs, though, live are great. But the album itself, and if you don't remember, he kind of became the hip thing when this album came out. The album comes out, and next thing you know, he's recording a CMT Crossroads with Elton John. Elton John referred to him as the fabulous one. And isn't this kind of about the time he got the Gap commercial? Is that right? Do you remember that? He was on a Gap commercial? No, I don't remember that. Yeah, he was on a Gap commercial. and So this album really brought him to the forefront of, of outside of the alt-country movement, even though there's some alt-country elements to it. Yeah, well, those two we named, my Oh My Sweet Carolina and... Come Pick Me Up are very alt-country. Oh, My Sweet Carolina is, uh, it's Emmylou on that, correct? I think so. Emmylou Harris singing. Um, Gut-wrenching song. Gut-wrenching. Um, I was trying to think. There's there's one of those, there's a, there's a uh, go ahead. I was trying to think of a lyric in that song that gets me every time. But Well, I love the part which is the sweetest winds blow across the south. Yeah, and, and that, and we're actually um, going to do a future podcast on favorite concert memories, and I'll come back to that. That's that's one of my favorite concert memories. This, this like I said, the songs live, especially when he performs them with a full band, 
I really enjoy bartering lines live is is really good but it's it's not the most hi-fi release that he's ever done uh, it's definitely lo-fi and I've mentioned this in podcasts before and that's something I have a hard time getting around sometimes and I realize that probably prevents me from liking some albums that I should like but it's just a pet peeve of mine that I can't get I can't work through it sometimes I like the beauty of that I mean, and I, I don't appreciate that. I, under, I understand that. I'm just saying for, for my ears, it, 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 it takes away. Yeah, and sometimes I think glossy production is too much, you know. So sometimes I just like that raw, just, I don't know. I like it. Sometimes it just works, and I think it does on his albums. Well, that's why it's two of us here. Yeah, good point. What so, do you got? Um, my next album is actually, if I had to rank them, is my favorite album from him, and that's Cold Roses. And man, I've, I've, I know you've loved that. You've loved that one since the day it was released, and it just never really did it for me. Well, it's a double album. It should not be a double album, as with most double albums. Yeah. Um, but it, it was at this point that he was listening to a lot of the Grateful Dead. And now I'm not a huge Grateful Dead fan, but he was incorporating some of the layers of, of music, of the musical layers that the Dead had. At this is about this time that he formed the band the Cardinals, and to me, they were so good. They were such a good band. They went on to be Willie Nelson's band for an album. They had, uh, and I may be pronouncing his last name wrong because I've technically never heard anybody say his last name. It's either Neil Cassell or Neil Castle. Um, he's currently playing with Chris Robinson, the Chris Robinson Brotherhood, but. The songs Let It Ride, Magnolia Mountain, Sweet Illusion, Beautiful Sorta, Now That You're Gone, Easy Plateau, and Code Roses, When You Will Come Back Home and Dance All Night. Those are the ones that I really like. But Let It Ride was great. I mean, I remember that was a single. Great song. It's a great song. And Code Roses, when he was with the Cardinals, they really jammed this uh, song out. And um, to me, it's, it's my favorite album that he has released. And it, it sounds so good has a cool album cover um, is actually designed to look like an old uh, vinyl album um, that was the intent on it and like I said now there is filler for sure um, like I said if you took the album and you made it just those songs you would have you would have the, his most consistent album to date and that was part of a trilogy I believe that year he tried to put out three albums in one year and that was the first of the trilogy and um, it was coming on the heels of a few albums before it that were a little bit more um, experimental or went away from his sound of his pre yeah. previous albums. What's your next one, Chris? I'm going to go with uh, the follow-up to Heartbreaker, Gold. Um, Gold seems to be where he really started gaining a name on that one. Uh, I think most people have probably heard New York, New York, um, which is a great tune, but it's got... Uh, Answering Bell, which is a great one. When the Stars Go Blue. Rescue Blues is my favorite song on there. That's a great one. I remember seeing him live and him, you know, we, Huddy already talked about his, his drug problem. It's well documented. He was so messed up that he was probably about a minute or two into Rescue Blues. Totally messed up. Just messed up the song. And instead of doing what, you know, the normal professional musician will do, which is just truck on and, just keep moving and adapt. He just started the song over. You know, he was almost stumbling on stage. And but anyway, that yes, that's a great, great song. Right, and this 
the album New York, New York was recorded before the tragedy of 9-11, but it was released, I believe, the week or two after 9-11, and it got a lot of airplay just for that. He had recently moved to New York from North Carolina and was struggling financially at the time. He talked about that on the Mark Marin podcast. And you're right, this album blew up amongst people like us that like to listen to music. And Where the Stars Go Blue, if you're a country fan, um, gosh, what's his name? Um, Faith Hill's husband, Tim McGraw. Yeah. You know, made a huge, um, made a lot of money off that. And when I saw him in Atlanta, they played that song. And when he got through, Adams obviously was talking with a southern dialect and he goes, I want to thank Cowboy Man for that. Cowboy Man. <laughs> and the the band got a good laugh out of it. Um, for a long time, I would have said this was my favorite Ryan Adams album. But as the years have gone on, it has not aged as well with me. I do not have it in my five favorites, but there are some really good songs on there. Um, yeah, Somehow, Someday is another one. Right. So I love that one. Right. And it's the album it's it's a little more it's a little more it's definitely more eclectic than um, Heartbreaker and there's you know there's some pretty rocking songs on there well this is the one that got me first got me into we're talking about it's kind of what put him on the forefront it's the one that first got me into him my uh, my cousin who is like us he's a bit of a music nut um, if you're listening Jim hello um, anyway he's the one who first got me onto him and this was the album that he turned me onto. I think it was recently released and of course I got this and then went up, went up back and got Heartbreaker and then started getting the Whiskey Town records and all that but yeah this was this was the album and it's still to this I mean it's still up there as one of my favorites that he's put out well since you brought that album up it's a great segue to um, what I'm going to go to next as one of my favorite albums so obviously his, his sales picked up with this album the record company is starting to see dollar signs and they uh, when he releases goes to the record company with his next album he presents them with this album which is Love Is Hell record company says uh-uh, we don't see money on it and so he infamously went back into the studio and in two weeks cut an album that I'm sure you're probably going to bring up here in a little bit um, that was more radio accessible so in order for him to do that he said you're going to put out Love Is Hell as two EPs and so while technically there were two EPs, later on they were released as a, an entire album. And this album is definitely a little bit of a departure from Gold. Um, it most famously has a cover of Oasis, Wonder, Wonderwall. And, Good cover, too. And I, I read where Noel Gallagher said he didn't understand what the song was about until Ryan Adams performed it, which I think is high high praise. It's a really good cover. You know, and he has a, he has a knack for that. He... He's covered uh, Iron Maiden's Wasted Years. Oh, yeah, he made that a beautiful song, too. A beautiful song. And uh, Alice in Chains, Down in a Hole. Yeah. He, he has done. But this album, the standout tracks to me are Love is Hell, Anyone Want to Take Me Home, Avalanche, and I See Monsters. Uh, I really like those. Like a lot of his stuff, there's some filler on there. And... Um, I'd mentioned on a previous podcast that Purple Rain was my favorite song of all time, and you said your cousin had listened to the podcast and said, um, you know, Hotel Chelsea Nights, uh, Off Love Is Hell, sounds a lot like that. And I, I remember years ago when I first heard that, I was like, it's got kind of the same characteristics, and it does. Probably coincidence, but it sounds like a ripoff. 
Right. If you're gonna rip somebody off, rip off Prince. Yeah. You know. I mean, it, again, it, it sounds it's it probably is just coincidence, but it really does sound like he was trying to sound like Purple Rain. And God, who knows what that guy he may have been trying to. Right. Um, but I, you know, my my favorite on that one is probably English Girls. Approximately, I love that song. That one. Um, you named. Does anybody want to take me home? That's a great tune, and I love the cover of Wonderwall. But yeah, it's a good song and good album. So, Chris, I'm gonna throw to you. Well, let's go with. Uh, <laughs> were you talking about that? The 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 label did not want to release that one. They wanted something a little bit more commercial, a little bit more rocking. So Ryan Adams gives them an album called Rock and Roll, you know, and it, it kind of sounds like a big fu if you think about it. He goes and names it Rock and Roll, and it's like he's overly trying to make rock sounding these rocking tunes. And whereas I said that you seem to go more towards the rocking, and I go a lot of times I like the the more slower kind of alt country type sounds. This is an exception. I love this record. It's fun. Uh, we were talking about it, how he recorded it in only two weeks. It seemed like it was an FU to the label, but yet he has said that that's one of the most fun records he's made. Right. He loves he loves that record. Critics hated it. Fans pretty much hate it. I love it. But, I mean, hey, I love Lulu by Metallica and Lou Reed. So, I mean, come on. <laughs> I can get a little out there at times. Yeah. I feel like it's his forgotten album. The songs don't get played live. Um. They're not bad. I, I listen to it on the way up here. My favorite one is the last song, The Drug's Not Working. Yeah. Uh, like that song, This Is It, I think was the single. And so is it 1974? Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, and actually he has a version of Anybody Want to Take Me Home that's obviously more rocking than the version that's on Love Is Hell that we mentioned recently. But it, it's... So Alive, that yeah. one is an amazing song. Um, Luminol, I remember, is one that I liked. Yeah, and talking about where he talked, said losering, and I said that's a great song title. Another one of his best song titles ever, Note to Self, Don't Die. Right. I love that. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, but no, it's, it's good. I mean, I can, I, I just, I'm looking through the track listing right now, and I love just about all of them. This is it. Great one. 1974, Wish You Were Here, So Alive, Luminol. I mean, it's, to me, talking about some of the inconsistencies, I think that album's very consistent. It's just a... Yeah, it's called rock and roll, and it's for a reason. It's a straight-up rock record. It's probably the only straight-up rock record he's ever done. And probably ever will do. Yeah. If you listen to it, the the sound, each song, the guitar tone and everything is pretty consistent through um, the album. But if you had to compare it sound-wise, like, you can hear some Smiths in there. You can definitely hear some 80s. Um, the feedback that's in it. Yeah, yeah. Definitely some of those 80s bands, not the hair bands, but you know, like the Smiths, um, Stone Roses, a little bit with some of it. But it's a, it's a good album, but you just, he does not play these songs live anymore. Which kind of surprises me considering, like, like we said, he, do, he actually does like the album, but he doesn't really play it. You know, maybe he knows his, well, I was about to say, maybe he knows his fans don't really think highly of it, but Brian Adams doesn't seem, he doesn't strike me as the kind that cares what his fans think. Well, and he released an EP called Follow the Lights, and it has a more stripped-down version of This Is It on it. I don't know if you've heard that. Um, yeah. And, and I've seen I've seen in some of his set lists him play This Is It, but nothing else from there uh, I've seen him play live. So that's going to lead to my next album, which is his self-titled album. 
this one was the album that came out before Prisoner, and it's more of a return to more of a rock sound on it. The lead single I absolutely love, Give Me Something Good. Very good song. Got the organ in it. And um, probably my second favorite song on there is Stay With Me. It's another more rocking song. And then um, Feels Like Fire is really good. And it's the first album that he's put out with a backing band since he broke up with the Cardinals in 2009. And I really like the album. Like you said, it has a slow song on there called Kim and it has a song called Wrecking Ball. And I know you'd mentioned you like this album as well. Yeah, I thought this was the best one that he had done in quite some time. I mean, this was... Because the one before, was it... What was it? Dust and Ashes? Is that Ashes, what? And Ashes, Ashes and Dust. Ashes and Dust. I wasn't a fan of that. Ashes and Fire. Ashes and Fire. I wasn't a fan of that album. I, I honestly probably didn't listen to it more than a handful of it times. It had a song on there called Lucky Now that my wife loves, and it's a good song. She wants to listen to it all the time. Now, I will tell you real quick on that song. There's a song called Do I Wait, and Ben Montench from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers is playing the organ on it. I would give that song a listen, but the rest of it... Yeah, so this one to me was just kind of, a, in a way, a revitalization. It was a comeback for me. The um, I liked it overall. I liked the album. I, I think the And I think the, the cover is awesome, hilarious, because if you notice, I'm sure you know this, it, because he's always been confused with Brian Adams and look up a story, we don't need to get, it, to get into it right now, but about a guy heckling him in the crowd one time, famous story. He's been confused for Brian Adams many times. So the cover of this album, he's shot like the cover of Brian Adams' Reckless. And the font at the top is just like Brian Adams' Reckless. I always thought that was hilarious. And now, supposedly, Brian Adams and Ryan Adams are pretty good buddies now. I think they've actually performed on stage. They together. have. They have. They played nineteen eight. They played Summer 69 together. But no, that's a good choice. I mean, it's one I could probably... It, I could, you could make an argument to push it into my top five. Well, what's your next album? I'm going to go with, as far as the Ryan Adams and the Cardinals... The one that's probably isn't going to surprise you too much, but the one that I go with is Jacksonville City Nights. This is by far the most country album he's done as a solo artist, and in some ways maybe his most country album ever. Because whereas Whiskey Town was country, they still had the rocking, the kind of the garage band, the garage band sound. This was just a, a country record. It's almost as defiantly country as rock and roll was defiantly rock and roll. It's yeah. like I'm making a country album. I don't care what you think. That's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, it's straight up country record, and I thought just about every song on that album was good. And they're very good live. Well, my favorite on there is The Hardest Part, and then a song called Trains. Yeah. I really, really like those songs. Yeah, and that's that's an unapologetic country album. Yeah, it's just, um, I don't know. It it was it was kind of a surprising release if you think about the, the direction his albums were and he comes out releases this country album just kind of out of nowhere and there's just something about it always been always been a big fan it's a good album my next one is going to be cardinology which he put out with the cardinals obviously he said at the time he thought that they were really gelling as a band and he said this is the sound of a band that this is a band album the problem is the last half of it is not very good, but the first half to me is 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 good enough to put him to put him one of my five favorites. Um, Fix it was the lead single from it, um, kind of a different, a little bluesier song. 
um, and cobwebs. So if you get a chance, check out Cardinology. Yeah, I, I was. This one never did a whole lot for me because um, really the the whole Cardinals era, even though like you said, great band and they were great live together. The the releases in that period, I wasn't a huge fan of, but I do, with the exception of Jacksonville City Nights, you know, a Kiss Before I Go, all that great great tune, great album. But for the most part, the Cardinals didn't do a whole lot, and then once it was after that when he started doing, you know, like. The solo album are the self-titled, and then 1989, and all kind of he really kind of came back for me. But yeah, if you're not familiar with this guy, I mean, I think everybody's starting to know the name now because it seems like he's getting more attention than ever these right. days. Check him out. Check out the albums we named. Um, he's got a lot out there. If you're just now, if you're new to him, it's going to take you a while to get through it. But maybe start with some of these albums we named. Start with the new one. It's it's a perfect album to start with. It's uh, it's. I would say it. I mean, it's 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 one that I think most of the masses could get behind because it's not one way or the other. It's not too rock. It's not like the rock, the country. It doesn't have kind of the. I don't know. It's just straightforward. Good record. It is. That is going to end our Ryan Adams discussion. Like we said, there is no shortage of material on him. If you want to go out there and listen to it, the next subject that we have is going to be. Um, Jay Farrar, and he is, you know, most famously one half of Uncle Tupelo, and once they broke up, formed a band called Sun Volt, which had an album come out last Friday as well called Notes of Blue. And uh, whereas you let us off on Prisoner, Chris, I'm going to lead us off on Notes of Blue. I really like the album. I like the electric guitars in it. It's it's heavier. He has said this is the first time he's played an electric guitar solo on a Sun Volt album in 20 years. And, you know, it is just so good. Lost Souls is such a good song. The, the fuzzed out guitar. I really like the last song, Threads and Steel. It's very short. Uh, it sounds kind of like a cross between a blues song and a western song. You know, he's going, there's a man going around and he's taking names. Um, the second song, Back Against the Wall, um, is good. Love that one. The first song, is it Promise to the World? Promise the World, which is possibly my favorite one on there and then there's a song called is it called Sinkering Sinking Down Sinking Down uh, is is a really good album I mean a really good song and this album is a return to form as far as in my opinion I was not a big fan of Honky Tonk the one that came before I know you were a big fan of it so you've had a week now to listen to Notes of Blue what are your thoughts on it well yeah and, and uh, what I was talking about like with Ryan Adams, Jacksonville City Nights. It's just a straight-up country record. Whereas you didn't like Honky Tonk. I mean, it shouldn't surprise you with a name like, if you haven't heard this album, shouldn't surprise you that Honky Tonk was a country album. It's probably the only album Farrar's ever done that's pure country. I liked it, but this was, as you said, it was a return to form. It was, I think with this one, he did, he has the traditional Sunvolt Americana sound on a lot of these songs, like the first Two promise the world back against the world the wall, but you named uh, Lost Souls Cherokee Street. He brings in a really bluesy sound, and I'm and I'm talking rocking blues. Um, you know, it kind of reminds me of I remember a guy we saw open for him years ago, Alvin Young Blood Heart. It's that type playing, that really rocking blues sound. It, I mean, it's almost it's a heavy guitar tone. Um, and it's a perfect blend. He does both of them on there. So it's a, it's a well-balanced, and they, they both work well together. And, I, I mean, I, every, 
anybody that knows me knows I love Farrar. I mean, it, the guy barely, he could hardly do no wrong with his albums. But this one is great. It's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm going to see him in two weeks now live, and it's going to be interesting to see him play these really rocking songs um, live. I think they're going to sound, I think they're going to sound really good. And like we said, we both give it thumbs up. So go buy it. Don't even preview it. Just go buy it. it it's, you're not going to be disappointed. If you've ever liked the Sunvolt record, you're going to love it. Right. You're going to love this one. And if and for people that may not be that familiar with him, if you look up, just I mean, just play a sample on iTunes. Sample Sunvolt Drown, and you will remember the band. Right. If you're you know old like us, you will remember it. Right. I was in high school. I remember when that was all over the radio. But um. Yeah. If you, like I said, Sunvolt fan, this one won't let you down. I think it's one of the best he's put out in years. So, like we said, he was one of the founding members of Uncle Tupelo and then went on when they went their separate ways and formed Sunvolt. And so, we're going to spend the rest of this podcast going over our favorite J4R albums. I'm sure some of them are going to be Uncle Tupelo. Some may be uh, some collaborations that he's done. And we may even, one of us may even name one of his solo albums. So uh, you went first last time. I'll, I'll go first this time, Chris. Um, in no order here, I'm going to go with Still Feel Gone from Uncle Tupelo. The second Uncle Tupelo album, it's a more rocking album um, than No Depression. It uh, sounds very, very good. My favorite song on it is Still Be Around, which is actually a slow song, more mellow, but... Some of the standout tracks for me are Gun, Punch Drunk, Postcard, D Boone, Looking for a Way Out. And if I'm if I'm wanting to listen to an Uncle Tupelo album, this is the one I put in. And if I'm wanting to hear something more country, obviously I go to No Depression. But it's the second album, and in, in my opinion, it's my favorite one of theirs. Well, funny you have this on your list because it's on mine as well. But this album, Still Feel Gone, is my favorite release that Jay Farrar has ever done. Uh, this would be one of my favorite albums ever made. Um, you mentioned Still Feel Gone. I mean, that's a, man, that's a down and out song. Still yeah. Be Around? Yeah, what did I say? I do the same thing. I what did I say? You should just Still Feel Gone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But um, it is, yes, it's a, it's, Farrar was kind of, in a way, I, I look, I've joked before that, and look, I like the Beatles too. But I've joked before that Uncle Tupelo with Farrar and Tweedy, they were my Lennon and McCartney. And there's still kind of that same balance. You know, Tweedy had the more fun, uplifting songs, McCartney. And whereas Farrar's were always the just serious topic, never, seems like they're never all that happy. And he was, there was that kind of perfect balance, just kind of how like Lennon was. But this album, yeah, to me, was, it's the best one that they've done. My favorite album by them you have still you know you, you mentioned you know we said still be around looking for a way out it's one of my favorites you said true to life great great song um beginning to end i mean i think the album's pretty much perfect it, uh, this is about jay farrar not jeff tweedy but i will say has one of my fa- probably my favorite tweedy song ever opening track gun but yes i approve of that selection so i will go with the next pick. I'm going to stay on Uncle Tupelo. And truth be told, I could easily have thrown all four Uncle Tupelo into my top five. But I didn't do that. I wanted to get a little bit of variety. And so my next one is uh, 
March 16. It's called March 16 through 20, 1992. This is pretty much an all acoustic album. And if anything was ever alt country, this is it. And it was weird that this album, because Still Feel Gone was starting to get, they were starting to get a little, a little attention. And it looked like they might be on the brink of success. And they, you know, with the way music was in the 90s, with all, you know, the alternative music that you had out, they really could have taken this, taken the next step. And I think they probably could have found success much like, well, when, when they broke up and Sunfolk came out and they released Drown. I really think they could have done that. And a lot of people feel the same way. But what do they do? They release just a straight up alt-country album and they take a step back from Still Feel Gone, which was kind of of a bizarre move, but it just shows it was about the music for them. It wasn't about trying to find success. And I believe they had a significant, significantly higher budget for this and they picked Peter Buck to produce it. Is that correct? Yeah, Peter Buck, guitarist of R.E.M. Yeah, he produced it. It's... I'm not a fan of the album, surprisingly. That does surprise I mean, actually, that does kind of surprise me. I mean, I know you say you go more towards the rock, but it does kind of surprise me that you're not a fan now, of it. Now, Moonshiner is one of my favorite Uncle Tupelo songs. Well, it's not, it's a traditional song that they recorded. It just, I don't know, for whatever reason, it's never it's never done anything for me. Well, the, the first two songs are two of my favorite for our songs of all time, Grindstone and Coal Miners. Um, this is, you know, when I say something like Coal Miners, it makes me think of, like your Woody Guthrie's and your Pete Seeger's. And that's kind of the way this album is. It's it's the heartland. It's the guy that's down on his luck. And it's just singing about middle America. Yeah, it's, it's not an uplifting album. It's not. I, Jeff Tweedy once said it's the heaviest album he's ever made. Right. And you got to think the record company was not happy when that was placed in front of them. No, because they, like I said, they probably had to see that was still feel gone. They were moving in the right direction and success was possibly right around the corner. But instead they were say, okay, we don't care. What's about the success here? Here you go. But amongst the Uncle Tupelo faithful, it's, it's held very high. No, it's, it's, it's great. So what do you got? Well, we're going to go from one end of the spectrum to the other to my favorite Jay Farrar related album Okima and the Melody of Riot now this uh, Sunvolt had gone on a four or five year hiatus in which uh, Farrar put out a couple of really good solo albums and the original Sunvolt band was to be no more and all new people um, he hired to being the band this is a straight up rock record and it's a straight up political record yeah. So, with that being said, if if you if you agree with him or you don't agree with him, if you can put the politics aside, it is it's a very good album. It has a, a song called uh, "Afterglow '61" and "Gramophone" are my two favorites. Um, probably the most political song on there is a song called "Jet Pilot," which is about George W. Bush, and this came out during the Iraq War and. Farrar's never really strayed away from talking about the, you know, people that are in power being corrupt, and he did not on this album. One of the reasons, you know, we talked about how I, I like the heavier stuff he does. I feel like the distorted guitars hide some of the limits of his voice. You know, he doesn't have the he doesn't have the widest range in the world. Well, no, he doesn't. But it's you know, it's, I was I was talking to a buddy actually last night and we were talking about the new album and we were talking about his voice you know I some of my favorite singers uh, 
Mike Ness of Social Distortion, Chuck Reagan. They're nasally guys. They don't have technical skills, really, but it sounds great to me. And whereas you say some of it kind of hides, the reason I am such a fan of Jay Farrar is the voice. I love his voice. Um, I mean, the guy sounded like he was, you know, 60 years old when he was in his early 20s on the right. first Uncle Tupelo records. Right. And, you know, I, I like, I like Okima. I think it's a good, it's a good rocking record. And you're right, it, it was different. It was different for them. I mean, they, they came back with this, what's referred to as Sunvolt 2.0. They came back after several years off because Farrar had been doing some, some solo stuff. And the first three Sunvolt albums were all kind of, kind of the natural transition from Uncle Tupelo. They were more alt-country records. And this one just came out rocking. And you mentioned some, you know, that some of the songs on there, uh, Afterglow is great. Uh, Gramophone, really, really good. Six String Belief. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank now, but the, one, the World Waits For You. I love that song. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a fan of the album. I mean, don't get me wrong. I am a fan. I would just never put it as one of my tops. Well, that's why we're here to dis- discuss and debate these things. As, as you'll see, we agree, but we disagree a lot as well. Yeah, um, my next one is going to be the first Sunvolt album, Trace. You know, it has... Think about this. If you go see Sunvolt now, they don't... J4R doesn't play much from his original, you know, original band that original lineup, those first three records. I mean, he really doesn't even touch the second two. But you're going to get a few staples off of this one, and it's just because he cannot avoid them. They're so good. And that being Tear Stained Eye, Windfall. And Drown, which honestly, Drown doesn't do a ton for me, but it's the hit. But Windfall and Tear Stained Eye, to me, are just perfect songs. And this was the album, we talked about this when we were doing, um, we talked about this, I know, on an earlier podcast. Where this out al- this Sunvolt album could have easily you know throw throw Tweety in on a few songs, and it could have been the fifth Uncle Tupelo record. I mean, he did not change at all his sound. I have the album in my top five as well, and I think it's the second most important alt country album behind No Depression, um, in my opinion. Like you said, Windfall is kind of the the quintessential alt country. Song, if you had to put out a greatest hits of the old country movie, switching it over to AM, looking for a truer sound, right? Or searching for a truer sound. Love that lyric. And you know, he did say that the song Drown was actually played on MTV, some there was a video for it, and it had moderate um, success, especially if you're in a college town. And I think I was a sophomore in college when this came out, and you know, it, it was played on Rebel Radio um, a lot. And like you said, Tear Stained Eye is a classic, so I've got no problem going with Trace. The the other album I'm going to go with, this one, you, I'm not exactly sure what your opinion of it is, is The Search. I, I knew you were going to, I felt you were going to list this one because I know you've, we've talked about this before and I know you like a lot of the songs on it and it still kind of fits a little bit more of that rocking sound, you know, the song, the picture, which he added horns on that, which was totally new for him. And, and I love that song, by the way. That's the equivalent of Iron, of Iron Maiden doing a synth pop album. Yeah, yeah, which, sorry, people, it, it, it really happened. I hate that. But, but anyway, um, at least they added synth into their albums. But, but the, yeah, this, the search, I think, is, is great. It's, it's a good album. It's, it's probably ranks near the, the 
near the bottom of his song Don't Records for me, but I still like it. It's a schizophrenic album uh, in that it's all over the place. There, there are some country-sounding songs, and they're like Highway and Cigarettes, which I think is a great, it's a great duet. It is. And then, but I like some of the more non-traditional sounds like Underground Dream, Circadian Rhythm, and the song that really stands out for me, and don't judge it by its name, go listen to it, is Methamphetamine. That, I mean, that's, you're talking about like singing about the heartland. At the time that that album came out, that was when the meth, you know, epidemic was really hitting um, Appalachia and even part of the country where we live in. But it, it's it's a good album. It's different. It has some elements with like uh, circadian rhythm and um, underground dream from his solo first solo album with some of the you know looping of the drums yeah i think so um beacon soul is another good one and we've talked about this before too if you get if you do check this album out check out the the deluxe version because it has four or five songs that were added to the deluxe that honestly i would probably pick all of them over a few of the songs on the album those four or five that were on the deluxe should have been on the original release i couldn't agree more on that Xerbia um, L Train Bicycle Hotel Houdini Punches they're, they're good all good songs okay my last one is um, we talked about after before 2.0 he you know tried his hand at the solo game and he um, this album it's I always struggle with the name of it but I believe it's Sebastopol and our Sebastopol. Anyway, however you pronounce it, it's a solo record that he did. It's definitely got a different sound to it. Um, at some times, I mean, half the time I don't even know what he's talking about. But just the sound of the music and all, it can be really gut-wrenching. It can be almost painful to listen to sometimes, the motion that's in that album. I don't know why, it just gets to me. Feet, Vi- kill, feet kill Chain feet is kill my favorite chain, song on there. Vitamins, Barstow, they're great. Now, he plays Barstow with Sunvolt. I, I've, I've seen that. You know, I've seen him play up to three or four of the songs off of this album with Sunvolt. Voodoo Candle. And actually, the the version that he does with Sunvolt now, Voodoo Candle, it's a completely different song. It's very rocking. Yeah. Um, okay. And my last one that I have is Wide, Sw- Wide Swing Tremolo, which was the last Sunvolt album of the original lineup. Um, has Driving the View on it, Medicine Hat, Flow, um, all songs that I really like, and I liked it a lot better than the second album, Straight was it Straightaways. I yeah, think. and I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, liked it a lot better, and this almost had a little bit more of a commercially accessible sound to it than than the previous two. Yeah, I mean, this one is really really solid. I mean, you mentioned Medicine Hat, Driving the View. There's uh, Hanging Blue Side is maybe my favorite on that album, and that was one, this one. I honestly went back and forth with two albums going in my top five, and I still, even doing this podcast, I didn't know which one I'd pick. I'm going to pick the other one now because you picked this. But, yeah, I, I think this was good. Really, really good album. I guess that brings us to your last one. My last one is American Central Dust. This one is... It's the tr- technic, the, the traditional alt-country sound of Sunvolt. And one thing that I really like about this one is um, the guitar playing. I think Chris Masterson, I wish he was still in the band. The, he has he's a he's a country style player and some of his 
some of the solos that he does on that song, like that song Push Too Far as he plays out, is just, it almost brings a tear to your eye. And he's a really accomplished guitarist. I think as lately he's been playing with Steve Earle. He played with Jack Ingram for years. Um, really good. I know a lot of people will go with Brad Rice, and a lot of that's just because of probably his, you know, playing, playing with Ryan Adams and all this. But Chris Masterson, he doesn't get enough praise. But I thought this album was great. Um, and... I actually got educated listening to this album, the song Sultana. You know, I didn't even know about it's about that. a ship sinking. Yeah, down. it's it's as he said that it's the it's actually the the most casualties of any you know ship in in America. We think of Ty, we think of the Titanic, but it's it's that this actually has this is the greatest I believe I think it was well over two thousand people, and it was right around this area. And people that don't know us that are listening, this is in we're doing this in Memphis, Tennessee. What's your opinion of the uh, Keith Richards song on there? I guess I didn't know it was the a Keith Richards. Cocaine Richard. and Ashes. It's great. I don't think I knew that was Keith Richards. What's it's a you know Keith Richards supposedly snorted his father's cremated remains with the line of cocaine. And that's there's, what that's about. Well, there's a line in it oh, about okay. that. Okay. About that, uh, I actually like the song. I like every song on that album. Jukebox of Steel is my favorite song on there. The last song on the album. I love it. Yeah, it was, to me, this is one that it, it ranks obviously really high. I put it in the top five, but it, it does battle Wide Sweet Tremolo. But, I mean, just based on that alone, I at least would have it in my top two or three Sunbolt albums, which is pretty good for, you know, you're this late in the game and you're still putting out albums that I'll put in your top five. Right. Um, and, and I do just want to say to people that aren't not that familiar with him, He's done other work. We've talked about he's done, you know, Uncle Tupelo, Groundbreaking Band, the work with Sunbolt. His solo work is really good. He's also, he did a, an album with a few different guys. No, one notable would be G, uh, Jim James from My Morning Jacket. And it's just, all it is is Woody Guthrie songs. And like I said, this guy kind of is the next generation, you know, Woody Guthrie. And then he also did something called Gob Iron with a guy named Anders Parker. Straight ahead folk album. They reworked a bunch of old traditional songs and really, really good. Highly recommend. If you like folk stuff, highly recommend Gob Iron. Well, Chris, I think we've done a pretty good job of covering two of the more prolific people of our generation as far as the amount of music they put out. If if I if I told somebody, hey, you've never heard of J4, I'd say go pick up Trace, Sunvolt Trace. And I think that would probably be a good, it really would probably be a good start because. Sunvolt may not be, or uh, Uncle Tupelo may not be quite as accessible for the average person. Right. His solo stuff, definitely not. So you do lean towards towards the Sunvolt records, and that's that is his. That's the best Sunvolt album. Well, that's going to wrap this episode up. Like we said earlier, follow us on Twitter at Digital Killed. Like us on Facebook at Digital Killed the Radio Star Podcast, and follow us on Instagram at Digital Killed the Radio Star. Until next time, we'll see you later.